Talking Tech, the Nordic View. Welcome. This is the second episode of Talking Tech, the Nordic View, a quarterly recap by the Nordic's leading VC firms, Maki VC, Equity Ventures, and Hardcore Capital of what went down in the European tech scene and what this means for entrepreneurs and investors looking ahead. My name is Andrew Degler, and I'm joined in the studio today by Linus Kulanger, co-founder of health tech startup Care to Translate, as well as your host, serial investors Ashley Lundstrom from Equity Ventures, Christian Lindegaard-Jepsen from Hardcore Capital, and Pirka Palomaki from Maki VC. Welcome. We all know what dominated the headlines globally, also in the second quarter, same as the first, and it is still the COVID-19 pandemic. So in today's episode, we are going to keep up with the consumers. People are moving from one pandemic craze to another, and companies across industries are trying to adapt and figure out the new normal. First, they went for toilet paper and hand sanitizer, and then for remote parties and a home gym. So what's next? What should every startup founder understand about consumer behavior, especially in a time like this? And how do challenges differ in B2B and B2C? What changes are actually here to stay? This is what we are about to discuss next. And just to kick off this conversation, I would really like to start with some anecdotal evidence, because we are also all consumers in our own right. So what has changed in your own consumer behavior over the past few months? Uh, Pirka, Paolo Maki, Maki VC, I, I want to start with you. What changed for you? Hi, Andre. I've actually been an early adapter of uh, kind of digitally native for decades. So I, I've already started using Google in the 90s as well, placed my first Amazon order in in 90s when I was based in Silicon Valley. So uh, I think for me, it's been more of the increase, the use of those services, uh, such as food delivery, consumption of streaming services. And uh, the biggest change, I have to say, is travel or the lack of it. So I, I think everybody's experienced the same and uh, and how you actually do social interactions with friends. So, for example, for my birthday party, I had a Zoom conference and, uh, you know, the same for my son's high school graduation. So I think those were those have been like the biggest, biggest ones for me. Right. Less traveling, more online uh, for Pirka. Now, uh, Christian, how about you? What's changed for you? I think the craziest thing about this for me was when I asked my daughter to cut my hair because I mean I started to, started to look like something that was not not even on Zoom it was representable right so uh, I had my uh, my 17 year old daughter cut my hair it actually worked out pretty well I have to say it sounds really adventurous I have to say uh, but besides that I think a big change for me has been just how few services like real physical services I've been consuming right. And it's kind of the same, right? So I used to go to the physiotherapist once a month. I don't go there, right? There's no restaurants. I mean, all these things, right, has uh, has kind of gone away together with the travel. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, Ashley Nustrom, Equity Ventures, how about you? What has changed in your consumer behavior? Yeah, I, I agree with the rest. So steeper curves on on all the online uh, services and, and usage. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever bought more online, uh, and, and I, I bought a lot online to begin with. One of the things that I saw as a surprise was actually how interested and motivated I was to look at kids' educational products uh, online. Uh, so my kids are fairly young, and I was I wasn't prioritizing that earlier, uh, definitely have been now. Uh, so that was that was a steep curve. The other thing is that I actually have been longing to go to the office and spend some time with my colleagues. Uh, so that social pull really was exposed from all of this isolation stuff. 
Yeah, I agree. I've been a freelancer for many years. Actually, I have been working from home for so many years. And still, over these few months, I was certainly kind of lacking some uh, human uh, presence, like work-related human presence. Uh, so I can certainly relate to that. Now, the founder in the room, uh, Linus uh, Kulanger, what, uh, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your take on this? No, it's been a really, it's been a really turbulent uh, spring for us. <laughs> but uh, as Asha said, also uh, we really miss going to the office. That's like the the, the biggest thing for us. But but uh, but generally, as a, as a founder, um, this spring has been. I know we we closed an investment round two weeks after uh, the, the stock market crashed. <laughs> uh, we just started the B two B sales, so it, it's it's been like uh, it's been nervous times, but really really good times as well. And I was so I was so much hoping that someone would say that they uh, started playing Fortnite and hanging out uh, with their uh, VC or founder friends there. Christian, did you? Yeah. So uh, my uh, my brother got me involved in this new Warzone. It's called right. So it's a modern warfare thing, right? So I I actually dusted off my old gaming computer and went in the basement with my uh, 14 year old son, and we just started playing Warzone like crazy. Yep. That's actually that's actually me too. I started playing uh, playing Nintendo and playing Lego City with my six year old, uh, and I I wasn't a gamer at all. I don't think I still can call myself that, but I'm actually trying, which has never ever happened before, and it's really fun. Now let's get a little bit uh, uh, further in the agenda and uh, talk a tiny little bit about the other part of uh, consumer behavior, and that is how does it change when we move from B2C, where the consumer relationship is obvious, to the B2B sector. What changes there? And I want to ask you, Pirka, about what your take is. Yeah, that's that's a great kind of question that um, I think the customer behavior in B2B has been quite similar to B2C. So you've seen kind of the adaption of Maslow's hierarchy that everybody's like in the consumer side kind back to basics. So you, you really worried about like health hygiene so i think in the b2b side it's been it's been about survival for many companies so looking at how to extend their runways so obviously many have been focused on cost savings so uh, that, that has an impact that startups have uh, been positively impacted are those that have been helping in remote work how to organize kind of like in this this new world collaboration and how do you drive efficiency? So um, I think really looking at that, maybe companies have had special Corona budgets that allowed some uh, startups to accelerate selling selling their services. And um, you know we've we've had in our portfolio a couple of examples like Happio uh, Digital Workplace and uh, Ultimate AI, which is. Uh, uh, reducing the load on the uh, help desk and service centers, so so you could see that. But it, it it's really about going back to the basics. So companies are really looking at rather looking at cost savings than anything else at this moment in general. So businesses are becoming frugal, but aren't we all then? Right. Uh, in this case, I want to move to the next question, and that is, uh, how do you think uh, consumer behavior would uh, be different uh, depending on geography? I know that we are talking about the Nordic view of uh, things, but I mean, even the Nordics are not just one place. So, uh, Ashley, if I, if I may ask you first, uh, what do you think uh, are the ge geographic differences in uh, the change? So, I think the headline of the pandemic, aside the, the human crisis and, and uh, the economic impact globally, is going to be about the digital acceleration. Uh, so this is happening all over the economy. And in Sweden, 
I'm I'm from the U.S., uh, so this still shocks me. In Sweden, I I literally did my taxes with the help of my phone at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Tells you a little bit about how boring I am, but it also tells you something incredible about the uh, infrastructure from the public sector and the private sector working together so that things like taxes can be done electronically. So what I foresee is changes in digital acceleration across all different geos, which are going to be able to help my one day family in the US talk to the IRS uh, through uh, electronic means. Uh, it means um, increased in, in online grocery shopping uh, across the geos. And what I think we're going to see is a closer, uh, probably never to the same levelization, but closer um, levels of acceleration uh, and, and digitization across geos. Uh, so, so hopefully, you know, in, in the UK, uh, we'll see things like a, a version of the bank ID and, and the, the basic things that we take for granted in the Nordics popping up across, you know, for example, Germany, where you maybe one day won't need a stamp uh, for uh, <laughs> for public processes uh, going forward. So that's actually my big prediction is is all of this stuff, which I call uh, digital errands, increasing and improving for consumers uh, all over the place. So from what you're saying, is it, it kind of seems like the Nordics are uh, largely already there in terms of uh, digital acceleration. Is that what you mean? Yeah, the Nordics have been uh, a leader globally, and, and that's a, an infamous thing. Um, I, I think uh, we'll hear hear more from Linus about uh, already there and not, uh, but I think that we're going to see a huge catch up on the rest of the world. So, so this is where actually I think the, the geo differences are going to be sort of closing and, and gaps are closing. Right. Pirka, you're based in Helsinki. How, does, uh, how do things uh, look from where you sit? I, I think in general in the Nordics, I think many people were relieved that the when the two meter social distancing rule was lifted, that we could all go back to the four, regular four meters. So it's like <laughs> I think that's probably if we look at the Nordic view. So <laughs> that's a good one. Right, uh, Linus, and uh, since Ashley already uh, mentioned you, I really want to ask you this question as well. So, how does it look from uh, from your perspective? Are we actually there? As in, is the are the Nordics already there in terms of digital acceleration of processes? I mean, uh, from we work from the health tech uh, perspective or the health tech sector, and I mean, it is it's, an, it's a business that is known for a really slow adoption for everything. I mean, if you uh, you still use faxes in uh, when I when I used to work as a doctor, I use fax in in, in my uh, in my healthcare department. So like, and everyone uses Internet Explorer. But it's been like really a shock to me this spring how fast the, the healthcare sector has been adapting. Uh, actually, in Sweden, we have I mean, everyone has gone over to to use like Zoom and uh, Microsoft Teams and everything like that. And also, um, I mean, they have been really forced to to try to to buy. Uh, new stuff, you know, like all the masks and all the protection gears. That means that they has really disrupted the whole sector. So for us, I mean, that's a great news because uh, before it could be like a, a sales uh, sales funnels that could be like one year or several years long, but now they are been shortened to just like a couple of months or a month or even less. And uh, so that's like it's really impressive. Hopefully, this will stay and uh, and just um, and continue to to be like this. So this is for health tech, and uh, how about the how about the other verticals? Then, uh, which verticals would uh, uh, suffer the most as the customers cut their spending, and would they actually be different from the verticals uh, that uh, uh, suffer from uh, COVID nineteen in general? Uh, Christian Yepsen, I want to ask you first: What do you think? 
just to kind of align with what I said earlier, I think some of the sectors here, at least in Denmark, that suffered the hardest were really the ones where you had to have kind of face-to-face kind of contact, right? I mean, the close encounters kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, those guys have had a, had a hard time, right? And it's um, it's important that we start consuming those services again, even if, I mean, if I look at my own household, my wife is still a little bit concerned about going to the hairdresser, right? Just to be in this close proximity with this woman for, for an hour or something like that, right? But I think it's it's just uh, something we're going to have to work hard to get over because these people need to get back to their livelihoods, right? Besides that, uh, if we look at our portfolio, really, I mean, the hardest hit companies have probably been travel, right? So uh, travel just fell off a, a cliff completely, right? And then bizarrely also a little bit, I have I have an investment in health that's also been very affected. First, very negatively, and then very positively. And again, it's this, if if you need to have close physical proximity for health, people, I think, have also been shying away from seeking out treatment they would otherwise do, just because of this overall concern that uh, they might be affected to corona, right? Certainly. Uh, Pirka, what's your take? I think companies in general that have been relying on, well, face-to-face, obviously, but also event-based marketing or, or things like that, I, I think they've been highly impacted. Or or also companies that are actually relying on production that is, is dependent on ASA or, you know, heavy logistics. So just getting getting the parts and and getting getting the stuff done has been that has been hit and hopefully hopefully we'll see that that's a temporary one but who knows you know will there be a second wave you know for spring and 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 kind of like what's going to be the new normal there so i, I think everybody's kind of thinking about more how to have plan b's in place for example uh, the production logistics in general so there are obviously verticals that uh, have been impacted negatively. So the uh, consumers uh, have cut their spending on so many things. But also there are apparently verticals impacted uh, positively, or at least not as negatively, I suppose. So health tech uh, with Linus, uh, I guess, is one. And some of the telemedicine, some of the other telemedicine uh, things. And uh, there there are most probably more. So Christian, can you maybe name a few more? What do you think? What else is there? Yeah, we've seen in our portfolio, we've seen, bizarrely enough, I think restaurants have been killed, right? But kind of food delivery, food delivery has been, you know, has had a real like boom through this. And also we have some kind of uh, food subscription services. They've also been doing very well and growing uh, you know, much faster than they, uh, than they were prior. Right. Ashley, what, what do you think? Uh, what are the uh, positively impacted uh, parts of the uh, ecosystem? I think fintech is seeing a very interesting uh, part of the of their journey right now. So as we see uh, very interesting data on the consumer side in terms of savings rates, things like that, I think we're going to see big opportunities for, for fintech to help consumers pay more attention to their personal finances, um, make their personal finances more efficient. Uh, and, and it's sort of heydays for, for fintech uh, companies to experiment together with ex- consumers. So I think we're going to see a sector that's going to be growing rapidly and, and uh, for the benefit of, of, frankly, everyone. I agree. Uh, Pirka, what do you think? Also, kind of like going back to basics has really raised the kind of awareness of conscious consumption, I would say limiting food waste, uh, you know, more sustainable options. So I think I think I'm at least I'm hoping that that's going to be a, a shift that will stay for longer. So people are looking for more environmentally friendly al- alternatives and uh, 
for example, we 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 just did an investment in a Swedish-based company called It's Released. So they actually allows you to rent your clothes rather than the, you know buying one of fashion that you use for one time and uh, you throw away and 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 things like that. I'm I'm at least hoping that that will be a trend that will stay. Yeah, this is an interesting implication. And uh, going back to the fintech, uh, I also I also have read. I think this is something that is uh, driven mostly by the U.S. But still, during the pandemic time, so many people actually uh, started uh, doing stock trading uh, through uh, some of these uh, gamified sort of apps that uh, are catering for the millennials and so on. But uh, but I guess this is now something that has become part of the lives of much more people uh, than before uh, this whole thing started. Getting back to the consumer behavior, and I really wanted to hear a sort of general and more wide perspective uh, from a founder, from uh, Linus. Can you also pitch us your startup a little bit quickly? Just what is it that you're doing, just so we have some context to it? Of course. So uh, we're called Cater Translate. Uh, we solve language barriers between uh, patients and healthcare prof- professionals uh, by providing a digital medical interpreter app. So it's a huge problem for healthcare sector and patients that don't speak the same language uh, as healthcare professionals. And it leads to like a lot of increased costs uh, in healthcare, lots of stress, and of course, critical patient uh, security issues. So just for example, so you understand how big it is. So in, in Sweden, 25% of the Swedish population are foreign born. So, I mean, it's fourth of the population. Uh, and the market of Swedish interpreters is, is uh, they have an annual turnover of 1 billion Swedish kroners, so what's 100 million euros per year. So it's like, it's, it's, a, huge, uh, it's a huge market. So, so that's what we are trying to tackle. We want to pre- replace the medical interpreter or the interpreter in healthcare. This sounds like something really, really important and particularly important in uh, the times like this. And this is great that uh, you are doing it. What do you think is going on with the consumer behavior in general and how does a startup look at it? Well, so for us, I mean, we, we are going both for B2B and B2C and it, it, they're, they're acting very different during these times. Uh, we have a SaaS solution and what we've seen like in, in B2C side, uh, which is our like has been our core since we founded the company is that it's really been an increase of, uh, of download and usage of what we do. But I mean, we work with the language barriers in healthcare. And I mean, if you've seen this crisis all over the globe, um, an issue has been like how to provide information about COVID-19 and coronavirus in different languages and make that verified. So, of course, we have a quite good standpoint in that area. And we are like we are we are we are in 170 countries. So, I mean, for us, it's a it's a good market there. Uh, however, like if you I mean, we talked you say it's touched point a little bit on um, on how the B2B side works. And uh, I mean, I, I, I sounded quite positive on how like the whole behavior has uh, changed. but. I mean, there's also a lot of negative uh, uh, things, of course, because like uh, the healthcare sector has been really, really, um, I mean, impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. So, I mean, they, they haven't had time to have, have any meetings with, uh, with salespeople. So for us, like we started our B2B sales this spring. Uh, and tried to get meetings with them. And uh, everybody was like, yeah, we really want this, but uh, maybe we can have the, the, the meeting in, in the, the autumn. So, I mean, the behavior, uh, like I used to uh, told before, like they are v- very much more prone to adapt to new things because they are really forced to do it. But they're also like, they're, this is a new situation for the healthcare sector. So they don't really know what to do right now. And, and, and uh, especially in Sweden, the public sector, like the hierarchy is very diverse. Like they don't really know who 
who's in charge of what. So I think I think this is really like disrupting the the industry from the from the beginning. But I think it will have a positive outcome, hopefully, because they are forced to also make new processes of being able to buy stuff fast and 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 having them to be piloted fast and so forth. So I think it will be positive for the whole sector there. Now we are moving into the more like a hands-on part of this conversation and uh, uh, what I wanted to start with is the question that's probably on the minds of uh, so many founders uh, but also VCs and uh, anybody else in the ecosystem. Which of the consumer behavior changes are actually here to stay and which are uh, to fade uh, out uh, after the lockdowns are over? So uh, if I can start with uh, with you, Pirka, once again, what do you think is going to stay? What do you think is going to become the new norm indeed? Yeah, it would be probably take some time to see see really the long-term impacts. So people are still afraid to go back to the real normal, whatever it is. But at least kind of three areas that I'm, I'm looking at. One is that we've seen a huge acceleration in the, of the underlying trend. So changes in the shopping habits. So everybody's gone to the kind of online retails, closing doors and uh, just, uh, you know, more conscious consumption that I talked about a little bit earlier. And uh, I think by local trend has accelerated significantly. So people like to buy buy stuff that is is close to you, and uh, I would say increasing focus on health will will continue after the crisis as well. And secondly, I would say you know social distancing, kind of like people not being able to meet in person, uh, they've figured out new ways to meet, and I, I think that kind of like I would foresee that some of those interactions will stay in the future because you you have people that are not always close proximity to you so I would say that that that's going to continue continue in the future as well and um and then thirdly, I think uh, remote work, I, I would say that it's been kind of overly positive what's been covered in the in the media at the moment. And everybody's been hyping about how great remote work is. I, I personally believe that people miss the connection. Ashley, Ashley said earlier that, uh, you know, you miss being in the office. So so I think that's still kind of the underlying need for people. But I, I would say kind of like we'll see what the backslash will be there. But at, at least many are at least thinking about increasing the m- amount of uh, remote work that they will do after the crisis than before the crisis and uh maybe some will intend to continue to work uh, fully from home and um that's obviously highly dependent on on companies policies what they will allow but we've seen like twitter and some other companies that are, are just actively promoting that and i i personally believe that companies that are you know well positioned for this say so they will strengthen their attractiveness in the in the job market moving forward so so those are at least three areas Absolutely. Ashley, I wanted to turn to you with the same question. Uh, what do you think is going to become the new norm after this uh, uh, whole craze ends? I might, again, start sounding like a broken record here, but I think the uh, the expectations on consumers uh, for being able to do what I what I call the digital errands, uh, interact with businesses uh, in, in electronic ways, I think that that's here to stay. Uh, and that's everything from your, your public sector interactions to interacting with your gym uh, to your your physician um, and, and and even your friends, really. Um, so I think the level here is, is, is raised. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think it will mean more time for social activities and, and meaningful time with with uh, with people um, privately and, and professionally. Uh, but I think that the expectations on companies to to provide digital interactions for their customers is is going to uh, be very high and continue to stay high. 
Yeah, most certainly. I suppose uh, in many cases, uh, this uh, pandemic uh, sort of uncovered how bad some of the digital services are and how next to impossible it is to do some things uh, online at all. Yeah, exactly. The, the other piece to that, I think, is actually the merging of professional and private. Uh, it's, it's very much the, the they're all connected. It's just very, very much the, the same thing from, from the beginning. Um, but in the past, you know, we, we go to the office and then we come home. Now the home and the office have become very, very close and we'll see how those separate going forward. Um, but we're, you know, acknowledging that we have private lives uh, in our professional situations and, and vice versa. Uh, so I think the connectivity between all of this is, is really going to improve going forward. And, and, and I'm very, very excited about that. Right. Yeah, I think I've got to know my uh, colleagues uh, much better during this pandemic because I have seen uh, their kids, I have seen their homes, I have uh, seen pretty much uh, everything. Now, Christian, I wanted to turn to you as well and uh, hear what you think uh, about uh, these uh, changes that are here to stay. Yeah, I think one of the interesting aspects of this is the generations that are growing up now, right? So basically uh, our kids, right, and, 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 and people in school, right? I mean, I'm an investor. I see this from two sides. I see it from my kids in high school and elementary school, right, that they have now been brought into distance learning in a way they would that just would not have happened, right? And I think, you know, they were digitally native before, and now they're just even more native, right? And the other side of that is uh, I'm an investor in a company called Aula in London that makes kind of, a, you know, an OS for universities, you could say. And you can see the universities and so the bigger educational institutions are really grappling with this, right? Because how much should they try to move back to the model they had before? And how much should they move forward into more of a mixed world where they combine online and offline, right? And they can lower facility costs and they can have higher engagement and a lot of different things, right? So I think Corona will have long-term implications on our children and on young people through the educational system, right? And it'll be very interesting to see how that evolves over time, right? Because I think that, you know, the stuff that Pierre could talk about around like flexibility at the work and stuff like that will just be something that these kids come out and demand because that's kind of how they grew up, right? It's not, they didn't grow up sitting all the time in a classroom, right? That's true, yeah. But uh, I have to say at the same time that from all uh, the people I know who have kids uh, who go to school, I heard uh, that uh, all the kids were very, very excited to go back to the classroom as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think that's a mix. My, our schools now are running like half days, mm -hmm. half days in like on premise and half days online. And uh, I think my son is very happy with that and actually feels that he learns more because there's no noises and like, it's, it's a more controlled environment. And in the half day where he's at school, he gets the social needs covered. Right. Yeah, that sounds like a healthy mix indeed. I do agree. I've got only one question left, and this is uh, something actionable once again, and this is something that uh, I suppose should be great to wrap it up. So I want to ask you to give a little bit of advice one piece of advice, maybe two pieces of advice per uh, speaker. And uh, let's talk about uh, concrete verticals. What do you think uh, should the founders do and what, uh, uh, what uh, the future holds for these verticals? Uh, if I can start with uh, Pirka once again, what is your vertical of choice and what is your advice? Retail is, is something that we know that uh, has been radical shift even before the outbreak. I, I think this is now kind of the last call to think about for, for the brick and mortar 
retail that uh, what are the new ways of operating and what are the new revenue streams so i, I think more, probably already too late if they haven't started but maybe they're saying that this is kind of like the last call and so it's something that uh, trying to benefit from global to local and uh, you know the conscious consumption trends and uh, I, I think in general it's good in the consumer package goods category in general that unlike in many other other categories that it, it's not a winner takes it all business so there's usually usually room for many successful plays at the same time and um, um, it's it's for startups obviously I don't think that many many of startups that hopefully are listening to this uh, are in the in the retail brick and mortar retail business but I, I think for startups this is always a good opportunity when there are changes and then disruptions there's always a great opportunity and um, again from our portfolio if we're looking at we, we have a company called Ogo ship which is uh, helping small businesses when they start their e-commerce businesses that um, uh, they can provide full turnkey warehousing and shipment services so they can be they can be competitive with the delivery terms of the giants like amazon so it's, it's obviously for a small business it might be too expensive to use amazon uh directly but uh but then you can't do this one hour delivery or same day delivery so if you don't have warehouses here and there and 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 have the agreements in place so a great example kind of like how what, what you can do in this space so so retail needs to change and um, I, I think there's still room for a lot of innovation there, what can be done. So we're sort of uh, bringing the concept of CDN, content distribution network, uh, to the uh, real world and the real goods. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Ashley, what uh, what do you think? What's your advice? Uh, what's uh, your vertical? So the, the vertical I'm really excited about, again, is, is infrastructure. Uh, and to choose one, um, one category of that would be, um, again, this e-commerce in infrastructure, um, which is mostly uh, digital commerce, actually. I mean, just retail, of course. Uh, and, and my advice here would be the same as, as uh, I guess, with any vertical, um, which is that the players need to consider the, the needs and, and pain points of their customers. And in uh, online commerce, of course, that's that's all of us. So that's consumers everywhere. Uh, so from an e-commerce infrastructure perspective, what that means is building connectivity. Um, that's everything from logistics to you know, payments and, and online verifications and things like that. But you know, really, again, always go deep, understand the needs of the customer. Um, and then there's going to be lots of opportunity for, for uh, digitization here. Um, since I, I do, like I said, believe that this is one of the, the big maybe COVID winners uh, coming out of coming out of this. Right, absolutely. And I do hope to see more of those uh, winners in the coming months. Now, Christian, uh, what did you want to talk about and what your advice would be? Yeah, so uh, yeah, as consumer-focused investors at Hardcore, we, uh, we've been long been believers in the kind of direct-to-consumer opportunity, the D2C. And I think COVID has just like strengthened that thesis like tremendously, right? And uh, and I think it goes for kind of probably a lot of different verticals, but it also goes for health, right? And I think Linus was actually a good example of this, right? That it's, it's important for his business today to have a direct-to-consumer leg to stand on to, to remain kind of in the market when, you know, something like this happens, like Corona, where, the, where you know, B2B can be shut down for a period, right? But you can still be relevant and in in, in, in contact with with uh, with users and delivery services, right? So pretty much a crawl across all verticals, but probably especially within health, I would say if uh, if you're doing a startup today, you should think about having it a D two C component in your in your product assortment, so that you can uh, deliver services even when the market's tough. 
Ah, this is the, the, this is a great point, and this is not something that uh, you hear a lot uh, uh, in this in this industry in this ecosystem. I have to say. Now, we are at the end of today's conversation. Once again, uh, thank you so much, our great uh, hosts, uh, Ashley Lundstrom, Equity Ventures, uh, Christian Lindegord, Jepsen, Hardcore Capital, and Pirka Palomaki, Maki VC, and our great founder guest, uh, Linus Kulanger from Care to Translate. Now, thank you so much for listening. Take care and uh, enjoy your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Talking Tech, the Nordic View.